Welcome to Lush Love, the podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Balboni. As a sex, love, and relationships coach, it is my mission to help you experience love that feels lush in all ways. With me today is Shani Silver, a humor essayist, podcaster, and author of the book, A Single Revolution. Shani supports women around the world in reframing singlehood so they can live more fulfilling lives starting now. Hello, Shani. It is so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am really excited to have you as a guest because your book, which has recently come out, A Single Revolution, really spoke to my heart. And I felt that it would also speak to the hearts of many women. And so I was super excited to have you on to speak about some of the themes that came through in the book that I've definitely lived and experienced. And also to those who are listening to have that be a support for them as they move through life as a woman. So one of the quotes I wanted to read or pull from your book was one that goes something like this. I'm trying to help singles view singlehood as something other than a problem to fix it. By reframing the way you view and experience your own singlehood, you increase your self-worth around it. So I had wanted to ask you if you could speak a bit to the reframe that you're mentioning here and also to how it affects self-worth. Sure, I would love to. What's important to know about reframing is that I came to it from a place of exhaustion. I had been dating fruitlessly for a full decade and there came a moment of absolute exhaustion. And it wasn't just exhaustion with dating or exhaustion with searching for someone. It was exhaustion with the frustration around those activities. I was tired of being tired of being single. It was enough. And I I finally asked myself if this was how I wanted to live my actual life. Did I want to spend it miserable? Did I want to spend it endlessly searching? Why was I participating in this so hard and for so long? And so it'll happen at different times for different people. I'm kind of slow with certain things. It takes me a while to come around to certain things. And apparently dating was one of them. Singlehood was one of them. And it's just, so it was a wonderful gift that I gave myself the moment to ask, how is all of this serving me? How is hating and being ashamed of my singlehood serving me? How is dating serving me? And they weren't. Essentially, they were not serving me. And in addition to these things not serving me, it became rapidly apparent that these things were also optional. I didn't have to participate in the shame of singlehood or the negativity of singlehood or a culture of dating. I didn't have to do any of those things. And when I started asking myself why I was participating, what was this horrible thing that I was running from that I was trying to to fix so badly, I realized that it wasn't actually something bad at all. It was just something that I had been sort of societally groomed to believe was bad. So when I say reframing, I mean that I am looking at something that has stayed the same. I was single before, I am still single now, but I am choosing to see it from new additional perspectives that were always true. And in my opinion, they're a lot more true than the singlehood perspectives that were fed societally. So the easiest way that I've ever been able to explain reframing to other people who are unfamiliar with the process is this. Imagine if you said to yourself in your head, I hate sleeping alone, because that's a really tangible thing that many of us have felt throughout our singlehood at different points. I hate sleeping alone. I wish there was someone here with me. The reframe of that thought is I get the whole bed. 
It's that easy. The same thing is happening in both scenarios, but one is being looked at from a different, more positive perspective. One that sees the value in a situation that maybe we have been taught not to value at all. And there are countless reframes involved in singlehood. I haven't even found them all yet. And it's, you know, it's very, it's very easy to find support for your reframed thoughts, because slowly with practice, you build them up and you start finding more of them and you start recognizing how good they feel. And I think good begets good. It just sort of snowballs and grows on itself over time. Yeah. And part of adding on to that wisdom of flipping, kind of think about it almost as flipping a truth. So if there's one side that looks one way, there'll be another truth that supports you better. And just makes for a happier life. So I love how you've described reframe because we can also have a yes and with it. So it's yes, sometimes it's really shitty to sleep alone and I get the whole bed and I get to not be woken up by someone snoring. Another point that you make that I also love is that can we begin to see other people, other women in relationships that really work and say, I'm really happy for them. Can you speak a bit to that, how you also switched that perspective? Of course, I'd be happy to. Listen, we are groomed to be jealous. There is a certain amount of have, have not that operates throughout countless areas of life and and relationships and dating are, are no different. It's very, very easy to see someone that you you know, if you have a single friend and they all of a sudden start dating someone new and they're posting about it on social media, the immediate gut reaction for that is jealousy. It's painful. It's jealousy. Why them and not me? That's that's the gut reaction, right? And we came by that gut reaction very honestly. We were groomed for it. I mean, from childhood, from absolute childhood, we are groomed to see relationship good, single bad in so many different ways. And I'm not just talking about like popular culture or, or film and TV. I mean, within our families, within our friend circles, just within society, we're, we're groomed to believe that a relationship is the correct way to be and single is the wrong way to be. So that jealousy reaction, you came by it honestly, and you can forgive yourself for having that. But the way I was able to shed mine was first of all, slowly and with practice, this is, this is not an overnight snap of the fingers, but it is possible. I asked myself, what is my personal culture? Who is the person that I want to be? What do I want to operate as in this world? Who do I want to present as, as myself out into the world? And I did not want my personal culture to be one of jealousy. I wanted my personal culture to be one of happiness and joy. So I don't want to be the kind of person who scowls at couples on the street. I don't want to be the kind of person who is just angry and jealous when other people partner. I want to be happy for them. That's the person that I want to be. So I chose a new thought and put it into practice. And over time, it became the gut reaction as opposed to jealousy. And that new thought is very, very simple. It's just this. Anytime I see a new couple pop up on my social media, if I see an engagement, if I see a wedding, if I see a couple walking in front of me on the street, holding hands, even though they're blocking my way on the sidewalk, whatever it is, the thought in my head that I repeat to myself is just, I'm so happy for them. That's it. I'm so happy for them. It's easy. It's, it's effortless almost. And it's, it feels a lot better thinking it than jealousy ever did. And so that's what I mean by like reframing being easy to build on itself. When you feel how much easier and lighter it feels to just think, I'm so happy for them and practice it until it becomes the natural reaction. It just feels so much lighter and easier and just you, you almost breathe easier because you're not burdening yourself with a jealous response. Mm, yeah, 
I'm super curious about that because as you're describing this, I'm asking myself a few questions like how was it to get there? Did it feel at first like, and you were saying it was incremental, it happened over time, it was kind of like a muscle that wanted stretching. So did at first it feel fake? Did it feel kind of like inauthentic? Or did it feel like this actually feels better right from the start? This is the way I'm going. This is how it's going to be from now on and feel quite like an easy shift. I'm just kind of curious how that was for you. It felt like a relief, honestly, because jealousy was a bit of a burden. If, if I'm being, if I'm being truthful with myself, jealousy hurt and it was exhausting and it made me into a person that I didn't want to be. So when I found out that I had another thought to choose, it felt like a relief and it's not a perfect process, right? I'm not saying that I'm never going to feel jealousy again. I feel jealousy all the time for a variety of reasons, not just relationships, but you know, I'm not, I'm not searching for perfect. I'm just trying to live a life that feels good to me. And so, you know, if, it's, I, I tell my podcast audience that it's not a journey with a start and a finish. It's more like a dance. It's more like this dance with loops and circles and turns and steps. And some of them go forward and backward and sideways. And it doesn't matter. It's what's important is that you're dancing, you're trying, you're here and you, you understand that this is your life and it belongs to you. And you get to decide how you live it. Your singlehood does not have to burden your life with shame and jealousy and lack and longing and pain, especially because singlehood doesn't suck. That's the kicker for me. It's actually quite lovely. And I'm tired of that lie being perpetuated that singlehood is this awful, shameful, lonely, terrible thing. It's fantastic. It is so fantastic. And I'm very concerned that many of us in singlehood will not realize how wonderful being single is until we are partnered. And that's a terrible time to find out. So I just would like us to see value in it while we have it and live it fully while we have it, because it's something worth living and it's something worth living well. And even if these thoughts take practice, even if you know reframing things for yourself and, and shifting the way that you see and experience things takes time and practice, all of that is worth it. It really is because you get this life. It belongs to you. And I have concern and I have fear that we're unnecessarily burdening ourselves and we're unnecessarily sticking to narratives that, that don't serve singles. I agree. So I'm just going to give a plug for your book right now <laughs> because it's so great. So consistently throughout the, the book that, that Shaney's written, she gives very simple reframes that, that can happen in so many different aspects of living a better life when you are single. We'll have it in the show notes. Check the book out in her podcast as well. It's amazing. And I feel that the examples that you use and the way that you speak to things is very, very helpful in shifting mindset and shifting the way that we are with and, and can be with being single. Another thing that I really love that you alluded to was timeline. So everyone's timelines are different. And we can really get wrapped up in this thing of it should have happened already. I'm way behind everyone else. If you could just speak to, to how you came to respecting your own timeline. Sure. The easiest way that I can explain it is what would you rather have? Something custom and tailored to you or something off the road? Because I want something custom. I want something specially made for me, tailored to me that perfectly fits me. And I don't fit into everything that everybody else fits into including my life timeline. And another thing that we've been groomed to accept and to cherish and to chase is a life timeline that, that looks a little bit something like 
getting married in your twenties, but late twenties, not early twenties, because if you do early twenties, that's too soon. And if you do early thirties or mid thirties, that's too late. So let's focus on the late twenties, get married, then have your first baby by 30. If you can have your second baby before 35, because if you don't do that, then it's a geriatric pregnancy. Like all of this heavy burdensome, like rules and, and pressures put on, put on singles, particularly on single women. So there are life timelines that are not only allowed to exist, but that are allowed to be beautiful and not just good enough or not just acceptable, but preferable. We are allowed to have unique, tailored, custom life timelines that are preferable to the life timelines that we see everybody else have. But because we have this very human nature to want what other people have, and in addition to wanting what other people have, we also want to find acceptance and validation. We're human beings. These are wonderful things. Acceptance and validation feel good. Don't feel ashamed for, for wanting those things, but just know that you don't have to strictly rely on external factors to give them to you. I really caution against making your timeline look like other people's. And also I caution against feeling like a failure when your timeline doesn't look like everyone else's, because there, there might be a benefit to that that you're not seeing. A good reframe for a timeline that doesn't look like everyone else's is not that you were late or that you failed, but maybe you were being protected from things that weren't right for you. Maybe you were being protected and held and sort of, um, I hate this word, but preserved for a timeline that was far more tailored to you and far more ideal to you, even if it's hard to see that in the moment. I really have have concerns and fears around us chasing one life timeline that focuses on just a few years of our lives as precious and good and right because there are so many more years of life that we have and i refuse refuse to live all of those years in shame or lack or with failure feelings because my life timeline looks different than someone else's my life timeline looks like me it looks like me and it fits me and I don't look back on any years of my life with regret. I'm able to now see them for the gifts that they were. I don't look back on my, my dating history or my singlehood history. And there isn't anyone back there that I would want to be married to now. So I know that I was being protected. I know that I was being kept on a timeline that was far better suited to me and, and sort of coming to that realization that I wasn't being punished or I wasn't being, you know, life wasn't being withheld from me. I was being protected so that I could live a life that is far more ideal for me. That, that feels amazing. And, and switching that thought in my head has just made me feel so lucky. And when have you heard a 39 year old single woman say that she feels lucky? It sounds like wisdom to me. And one of the things that I feel that I'll carry forward. And I know that the people that work with me carry forward and probably many of the women that, that you speak with as well will understand that the wisdom that is being gained in this time, prepared for all of the rest of the changes that will happen throughout life. So when you are in relationship and things are shifting and moving and changing and don't look like everyone else because there is no everyone else, everyone's having their own experience, then you'll be able to be with whatever your unique experience of relationship, however it looks, in a much more joyful way. So wherever you are in life, whatever, wherever you're sitting, is really a deeper wisdom of being with 
whatever you are experiencing and how you relate to that, which is exactly what you speak to, is how are you relating to being single? How are you relating to your life as a single woman? How are you relating to your life as a woman? Taking out that whole describer of whether you're single or not single or you're in a relationship because we're relating all the time. And I know you speak to this too. We're relating all the time with people, with the non-human world, with, with ourselves. So we're relational beings by nature and really feeling your unique wisdom gained and also to everyone who's listening to to really be able to have a look at what you have experienced in life and take those nuggets sometimes it takes us a minute like you were saying to understand them um, and see them as as golden moments almost it's a process <laughs> it's a process like every other so so yeah that is i think it's the richness of being human because it's poignant it can be it's sad at times, it can be joyful, it can be blissful and pleasure, but it's all of it. So we are coming close to time, so I'm not going to, I'll ask one more question. You describe a prologue life, so I was wondering if you could speak a bit to, to that. I definitely lived a prologue life for a long time. Sure. So a prologue life is, in my opinion, a pretty feminine thing. I think it's something that women are are groomed to believe in, and I think maybe the male side of things might view relationships and marriage as an epilogue. And so you've got you've got two pretty competing goals there. What I mean by a prologue life is that your life isn't real yet until you're partnered. That's what that feels like. And you feel like you can't live the real part of your life until you've found someone, until you've checked that find someone box. You feel like your life isn't real. Your life isn't adult enough. Your life has not graduated into the valid part until you find someone. And that is so not true. It's, but it's something that's keeping us hidden and small and occupied with dating when maybe we don't need to be. So a prologue life is, it's in my opinion, one of the first things to shed in order to reframe the way that you feel about being single, because your life is real and valid in this moment. You are not lacking anything. You are not um, behind in any way. You are valid as you are right now listening to this, there is, there's nothing missing about you. You came into this world whole and you continue to be so, but we've been taught to think that your life doesn't really start until you find someone. Then you get to do things like go on trips with people and have nice appliances in your kitchen and throw dinner parties for all these couples sitting around a table. And there's just so many things that we only assign validity to when they're done in pairs. And that keeps single people from experiencing so many wonderful parts of life. And that um, that's just unfair. It's unfair and it's unnecessary and it's very easy to break out of. I think one of the first things I did to validate myself was buy a Cuisinart. I, I always thought in my head, like, no, I'll register for that one day for my wedding. This is literally a thought that was in my head for like a decade. And then I was just like, wait a second, I want one and I have no idea when I'm getting married. So what am I supposed to do? Just wait into infinity and in order to not have to like chop everything by hand. I think that's ridiculous. I want a Cuisinart. So I stopped waiting for a husband and I waited for Black Friday and then I got a great deal on a Cuisinart and I still have it. It's in the kitchen right now. I use it all the time. It's, you know, there is no absence of validity in your singlehood. I used to describe it as feeling like I was chained to a starting line and I couldn't start running until I had a partner and all my friends were just lapping me on this track and I was still chained to the starting line. And I thought the only thing that could unchain me was partnership. And I just realized that I was able to unchain myself and just start running and start living and doing all the things that I thought I had to wait for a partner to do. You don't have to wait to do anything. 
anything. You can do anything you want to by yourself. That doesn't make it less valid. That doesn't make it a worse version of that thing. It doesn't, it really doesn't. And I'm, I'm sorry that society's views on singlehood don't back up what I'm saying, but until they do, you have to back them up for yourself. And it feels really good to do that. And I hope that that provides some comfort where society does not provide validity. Yes to breaking free from the chains. Oh my goodness. Especially for women, we can really put the breakers on, even in career, even in moving countries or places or wanting to live life in a certain way. And I, I was one of those people. So any last thoughts that you would like to share with the people listening? Just a, a measure of, of comfort and support and community to anyone who's listening to this, who is miserably single, who is frustrated, who doesn't understand why the search has to be so hard and so lengthy and so exhausting and so fruitless. I was where you are and it doesn't have to stay that way. It really, really doesn't. And you don't have to wait for partnership to free you from this space. You, you really can change the way you think and feel about singlehood. I have been you and I can, I can assure you that it is possible. And it is also worth, really worth looking into because we are, we're alive. And we get to be as happy as we want to be. And I hope that any single person listening understands that there's no need to wait for happiness. And there's no need to wait for anything. It's it's all available to you, right? Now. I second that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shani. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me.